0: Welcome to Open Your Eyes, a podcast about opening our eyes to a new view of life. I'm McKay Christensen, and I'm thrilled that you joined us today. Now, I'm sitting here today sharing this podcast, and I feel different. I am so grateful for this amazing world we live in, for the blessings of opportunity that we have for good people and fresh starts and hopeful pursuits. And I'm grateful for you. You know, the other day, someone asked me if this podcast was a ministry, and I'd never thought of it that way, but I suppose it is an attempt to help us get a few ideas to live a little bit better. So call it whatever you want. I hope today's message helps you. Let's get started. Today, I'd like to talk about who you are following. Not long ago, a 26-year-old man named Wu Yongning started doing stunts atop some of the highest buildings in China. He would ride his skateboard along the edge of 70-story buildings, hang over the edge of the tallest skyscrapers and do pull-ups, extend a two-inch board off the rooftop and walk out onto the board suspended hundreds or thousands of feet in the air. He would hang off a pole vault pole over the edge of a building and he would climb down several stories from the top of these skyscrapers using the ledges as hand grips and traverse along the face of the building like Spider-Man. He recorded over 300 different rooftop stunts. Now, he wasn't a trained stuntman, but an average person adding intrigue to his social media posts of each daring adventure. Why he did this, no one really knows, but he did have people paying him And he was gaining great popularity online. And after he completed a few dozen stunts and posted them on social media, he soon had hundreds of thousands of followers. Social media was full of comments on his bravery and stupidity. But it seems the more comments, the more following, the more attention he garnered, the more he doubled down on his risk-taking, seeking to make his videos and stunts even more daring and he noticeably became more reckless, flaunting his hubris and often doing what those who commented on his post said he would never do. His last stunt was atop a 62-story building almost 1,000 feet in the air. The stunt that day was nothing dramatic. He had lowered himself over the edge of the building and was doing pull-ups, just like he had done before. But after he had done a few pull-ups, It seemed he was going to do one last pull-up and bring himself back on top of the building. But this day, for whatever reason, after doing several pull-ups, he lost his strength. And in the video that's available on YouTube, you can see him struggling to do the last pull-up. He pulls himself up halfway and his arms start to shake. And he lowers himself and rests for a few seconds, hanging there by a very loose grip. Using all the strength he can muster, he tries to pull himself up onto the ledge, even scraping the walls of the building with his tennis shoes, trying to get some grip to push himself to safety, but his arms are too tired. He obviously had muscle fatigue. And when you watch this video, there's an obvious panic. Well, what will he do now? Because if any of you that are listening to this podcast have done pull-ups like I have, You know that once you enter into that fatigue stage, to muster the strength to do one more pull up is almost impossible. In watching, I found myself saying, Oh oh no, what will he do? Well, he rests and tries several times. But soon it's obvious that his only option is to hang on until his fingers fatigue or to let go. And soon he lets go and falls to his death. The New York Times would later report that Wu was being paid $15,000 for the stunt, and he needed money to pay for his upcoming wedding. He also had so many followers that he felt extreme pressure to protect his following, each day checking to see how big his following was and seeking to measure his own success or even self-worth by how much attention he garnered through his most recent stunt. And it's ironic that Wu was seeking to amass a following, but in the end, it was him following them, following his need to have their validation that cost him his life. You know, on the eastern edge of Utah lies one of the most fascinating landscapes in the United States. Moab, Utah is filled with red sandstone cliffs and hills. Wondrous views and incredible trails, and as a result, millions of people flock to Moab for some of the world's best mountain biking and climbing each year. The area is home to rock canyons and sandstone arches. One of these incredible arches is the Corona Arch. This arch, sometimes called the Little Rainbow Bridge, is in a canyon of the Colorado River and is part of Arches National Park. It is 140 feet tall, making it a spectacular view when you make the three mile hike to stand under this amazing rock bridge formed by millions of years of river flow. But it isn't the arch's stunning beauty that has made it the object of 27 million views on YouTube. Instead, it has become the destination for thrill seekers from all over the world. And their reason for coming to the arch? To tie a rope to the arch to jump off and swing through the arch in a huge pendulum or rope swing. And for some reason, the first thrill-seekers gathered a following. And since, hundreds of people have come to repeat the feat and post their own video and experience the same thrill of not only swinging, but having hundreds of people comment on their video posted on YouTube. One of these thrill-seekers who has swung through the arches of National Park says, That first step, when you jump, it really takes your breath away. And if you see the videos of these stunts, you get it. It would take your breath away. And some thrill seekers tie the rope to their ankles, taking the massive rope swing upside down, rushing downwards towards the ground, only to swing up and away from the ground onto the other side of the arch, and then back towards the ground at incredible speeds. That is why the arch and the swing have such a huge following. A few years ago, a young 22-year-old man and his five friends, following those people on YouTube, came to Corona Arch to make their own YouTube video of the experience swinging under the arch. However, for some reason or another, the group and the man miscalculated the length of the rope. This happened because they didn't account for the slack portion of the rope when they measured how long their rope swing should be. As he leapt from above the arch, instead of hitting the end of the rope and swinging under the arch, because the rope was too long, he leapt straight to the ground without the rope arresting his fall, and he tragically died. The group was simply following others online and wanted to repeat what they had seen others do. It isn't clear how the man and his friends miscalculated the length of the rope, but The miscalculation had a very unfortunate end. You know, these examples of following are not unique to others. We all follow in one form or another from time to time, and we seek to replicate the feeling, the thrill, the success, the apparent peace that others have obtained, and whether it's on video or in life or in other ways, we all follow other people. Sometimes we, too, miscalculate what we see or what we hear and don't achieve the same outcome. At other times, the outcome can be amazing. And the strange thing is that in life, we can be following someone or something and not even be aware that we're following them. I mean, how many times have you sat around a family gathering or party and listened to people talk and then found yourself using the same language someone else used or saying things in the same way as someone you were with at the gathering. It also happens online. You read online about the need to eliminate aspartame from your diet, so you cut back on Diet Coke. You just follow. And the funny thing is, you don't even know who you're following. Somebody somewhere said that it wasn't good for you, so you follow. Your neighbor got a Tesla, and you want a Tesla. You aren't sure why you're following him, but you start keeping your eyes out for Teslas here's the point. We follow others all the time. And it seems in our day and age, we're following, perhaps blindly following, more than we ever have. And it's understandable. I mean, we're living in a world of information overload with so many options to follow. But here's the question. Who are you following? In our day and age, we're now dealing with chatbots. A chatbot is a software application that aims to mimic human conversation. Using artificial intelligence, chatbots are entirely capable of having a conversation with a human being without that human being knowing. And we cannot often tell the difference between a chatbot and a person. The chatbots in action today include ChatGPT, Bing Chat, and BARD. Now, chatbots have long been used in customer service and support. When you go to overstock.com, for example, and buy furniture, you think you're chatting with a human and following their instructions, but it's really a chatbot. They have built into the chat box the ability to think for itself, to learn what customers are asking, and then produce, through trial and error, the optimal answer to a presented question. A simple example of this language learning would be when the chatbot hears the word mother, it may respond in the conversation with tell me more about your family. Why? Because it has seen and learned and searched millions of conversation and knows that what follows mother is the mention of the family. Now, hundreds of companies use chatbots today. WhatsApp, KLM Airlines, Alaska Airlines, Facebook, and the WHO, and many, many more use chatbots. In fact, It's predicted that in the future, almost all conversations you will have as a customer will be with a chatbot rather than a human being. Will that be a strange world where we're following someone or rather something that is not human? Well, many people fear that online hackers will continue to infiltrate and use chatbots to fill chat rooms with spam and entice people to giving their personal information because we as consumers won't know whether we're communicating with a human or a chatbot. And these new introduced platforms using chatbots seem to be full of hallucinations. Hallucinations happen when a chatbot, like OpenAI, answers questions or participates in a conversation with made-up information. I've experienced this firsthand. I've asked chat AI to generate information about a particular topic, only to find out that what it gave me was a complete fabrication. It wasn't true. You know, recently, the Washington Post wanted to know whether AI could be relied on to answer complex questions, so they set up an experiment. They asked Microsoft Bing chat 47 tough questions and then graded the answers and citations. The result? Six and 10 of Bing's citations were just fine. The other four, however, were off in some way. Kind of okay or completely wrong? You see, a chatbot is not merely searching the internet for answers. It's using its learning methodology to answer questions. And if it doesn't fully understand the question, it will make things up and make them sound authoritative. So it really can't discern between rhetoric or actual fact. So, given all of that, it seems in today's day and age, we must decide who. We will follow. We must establish what will be our source of truth and probably decide when we'll use our own critical thinking and when we'll turn that over to someone else. Even Hollywood, which is surely not the center of the universe for truth, has gotten into the act. On May 2nd, the Writers Guild of America, an alliance of two labor unions representing over 11,000 film, television, news, radio, and online writers, went on strike, demanding higher pay and a stable pay structure, as well as provisions about AI. You know, with the popularity of Netflix and other streaming services rising, writers no longer write a show for several seasons. You see, because now we're in a binging marketplace, so writers are having to scramble from job to job rather than having a reliable job year after year. And The writers are obviously worried about chatbots, that they will take over their job. In the future, it's very likely that a chatbot could write an entire script with just a few instructions. So the writers want to control AI's influence over scripted work and seek to label any AI work as not source material. Source material is what's used to generate screenplays such as novels and news. And Hollywood's not the only place they're worried about AI. With the advances in online gaming and other industries, it is not far-fetched that in the future, gamers and users could fall in love with an online chatbot-driven character who acts very real and very much like a human being. And all of this leads us back to the question of who do you follow? Where do you find your inspiration? What is your source of learning and guidance? What will you be influenced by in the future? Because it is something we should decide and ensure we don't default to following just anybody or anything. I recently read a bit of Maria Shriver's story. She had been asked to give a graduation speech at her son's school. And at the same time, she was in the middle of trying to figure out which path she wanted to follow in life. She said after she got the invitation, she thought to herself, how can I give a speech telling these amazing young men and women which path to follow when I don't even know myself? She said, I stressed out trying to figure out what I would say. I ate licorice. I stressed out some more. I ate dots. I stressed out even more, and I wiped out a bag of Swedish fish. And then I wrote. I wrote in longhand on legal pads. I wrote in my room in my office. I ripped it up. I threw it out. I rode on the life cycle on airplanes early in the morning and late at night, starting over and over again, driving myself nuts, trying to figure out exactly what these graduates expected to hear from me. Well, she figured it out because at the graduation ceremony, here's what she told them. And her advice is perfect for you and me as we answer the question about who we should follow. She told them, that it seems nowadays many people want to be famous or be like the few influencers online who get all the attention. They seem like people to follow. And here's what she said. Believe it or not, fame in and of itself can't make you happy. It can't make you feel worthy. It can't give you a life of meaning and joy. That, I've learned, is strictly an inside job. Now, what do I mean by an inside job? I mean that the only way you can come to feel worthy and really good about yourself, the only way you find a life of meaning and joy is to find your own voice, find your own path, find your own heart, and live your own life, not an imitation of somebody else's. And I would say the same thing to you and me. The answer to the question of who should I follow hardly lies in living your own life, not an imitation of somebody else's. How will you ever know who you really are until you follow your own heart? There is something amazing that happens when you abandon the trappings of what everyone else does or what you read or see around you, and you decide, really decide, that you will follow your own life, what you are meant to do. There is no amount of internet mumbo-jumbo or AI-written stories or mimicking the moves of others that will help you grow to your true self. And perhaps some of you listening to this podcast today are wondering what your path is. And here's the truth. I think you know more of what your path is than you think. You've been inspired. You felt it. It seems hard, perhaps, out of your lane, perhaps, but it's there. And it's by following that path that will bring you to you. As I give this podcast, I know part of my path, and I've been avoiding it for a while because it's full of work and some monotony, and it's not super fun, but I know what I need to do, and perhaps you do too. Perhaps that business you started really needs you to put your whole heart into it. Perhaps your faith needs your commitment, your energy, your humility Perhaps you're to follow the noble path in life, to give up a few of those things that keep you from giving into your faith entirely. Perhaps you need to give up that comfortable habit. Whatever it is, follow that sense of purpose. You know, Maria said that years ago, her father, who was instrumental in the founding of the Peace Corps, gave a speech at a college graduation, and in that speech, he said, Allow me to challenge you not to think so much about what you will do or where you will go. Allow me to challenge you to think about what you believe. And ever since I read this quote from Sergeant Shriver, who married Eunice Kennedy, who was the ambassador to France and did so many remarkable things, it's stayed with me. Stop thinking so much about what you'll do, but focus instead on what you believe. Do you think this is true? What you believe guides you to what you should follow? I do. So let me ask you this. What do you believe? Do you believe that people who make a firm decision and commit to a cause live a richer, more fulfilled life? I do. Follow that belief. Do you believe that people who forget themselves and try to serve the very best they can to give to those around them are generally more happy and learn more in life? I do. Follow that belief. Do you believe that God knows you and seeks to help you and wants you to prosper and grow? I do. Follow that belief. Do you believe you are where you are for a reason, for a purpose? I do. And you can see that Sergeant Shriver was right. Who we follow, what we follow is our beliefs. They will carry you further and do more good for you than any other thing. So trust yourself and lean on what you believe. Now, there are a few other things we can and should trust as we decide who we will follow in life. First, trust yourself. I find in talking to a lot of people that they tend to dismiss their own judgment and capability. They don't trust themselves, and they're constantly looking elsewhere for guidance. But I get it. When you're down or you've made a mistake, it's easy to let that negativity or lack of confidence in yourself fall over everything you're doing and thinking. But we all make mistakes. We all get down. And here's the thing. You are filled with immense capability. Trust in your own ability to rise, to realize, and trust that you can do what you set out to do. You know, in the scripture, Jesus is chosen and was trying to mentor his group of disciples. None of them came from leadership positions. None were experienced ministers. None had public speaking or high-level management skills. They were fishermen and farmers and tax collectors. And more than once, he said to them, if you just had a little faith, faith even as small as a seed, you could do incredible things. You could move mountains. And I think in part, he was talking about faith in him. But I also think he was saying, believe in yourself. Have faith. You will grow. You will do more than you think you can. And I believe in you, so trust in yourself. We all need a reminder of this now and then. And I think God does this for us a lot. It's one of his greatest gifts. He sends impressions and people our way to remind us that we can. And he tells us, remember, you're my son or daughter, and you were made to fulfill your true potential. The DNA you possess is my DNA, and with it, If you will, you can rise. So follow that and see what great things happen to you. Now, while I'm on this topic, let me tell you something else that Maria learned. She said, many of you may also feel that you're scrambling to follow your role in everybody's life but your own. You may feel you're not entitled to show up as anyone other than the perfect student or the perfect son or daughter or the perfect spouse or the perfect employee. And she's right. The thing is, in the midst of all that we're trying to be, what others want us to be, we're following their perception of us, not our view of us. And it is okay to stop worrying about what others are thinking and follow more of what you see and what you feel in yourself. Follow yourself more than the need to meet the expectations of others. You know, one of the best-selling books of all time is one that you know, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Even though it was written decades ago, it is still selling at large numbers today. And this has always been a wonder to me. The title's long and not sensational, but the book still sells because of its content. Well, Stephen Covey followed the writing of that book with another book called The Eighth Habit. Now, this lesser read book introduces the eighth habit, which is finding your own voice. And it has a quote that I love about following in life. Here's what it says. No matter how long we've walked life's pathway to mediocrity, we can always choose to switch paths. Always. It's never too late. We can find our voice. And I think this is what Maria was saying to those graduates. Follow your voice. Trust in yourself. Don't get caught in the trap of living or following someone or something else because it seems like they have a following or because they seem to have things figured out. Because there is power when you choose the direction of your life and don't delegate that choice to someone else. In another now-famous commencement speech, this one at Harvard University, Oprah Winfrey said, Learn from every mistake because every experience, encounter, and particularly your mistakes are there to teach you and force you into being more of who you are. And then figure out what the next right move is. And the key to life is to develop an internal moral, emotional GPS that can tell you which way to go. You know, I think she's right. It is about our GPS. And when we have one, we can follow that instead of something shiny online or someone impressive nearby. And you may ask then the question, how do I find my GPS? Well, much of that lies In what you see as your purpose. Because following your purpose can bring more precise navigation to your life. Chadwick was born in 1976 in South Carolina. His mom was a nurse, and his dad worked in a textile factory. And he was a normal kid. He played basketball in high school. But he had a different GPS working inside him. So when he was a junior in high school, he wrote his first play. Even though he was recruited to play basketball in college, something most young men would follow, he turned down the scholarships and followed studies in fine arts and directing instead. There, he fell in love with Shakespeare and Beckett and Pinter, and after success in New York, he moved to L.A. to pursue his acting career. He wrote, acted, directed, and grew his craft. But the breakthrough moment for Chadwick was in 2013. At the time, he was directing an off-Broadway play. And he auditioned for an upcoming movie about Jackie Robinson, named 42, for the number Robinson wore when he played baseball. Over 25 of Hollywood's best showed up and auditioned. But Chadwick did something the others didn't do. In selecting the portion of the script that he would read during his audition, he chose the most difficult scene... In which Robinson goes down in the stadium tunnel and breaks a bat in anger. The director was so impressed that he cast Chadwick in the role. Robinson's widow, Rachel Robinson, said that Chadwick Bozeman's performance was like seeing her husband again. Well, with this performance under his belt, Bozeman would go on to play the Black Panther and star in many other major films, including Marshall and 21 Bridges. In 2016, however, he was diagnosed with stage 3 colon cancer. Now, he never spoke publicly about his diagnosis, and it was reported that only a handful of people in his life knew he was sick. And after surgeries and chemotherapy didn't work, he died in 2020. Well, one of the lasting legacies that he left were the words he both wrote and shared during his short lifetime. One of my favorites is this, which he shared as part of his commencement speech at Howard University while he was battling cancer and facing his own mortality. Here's what he told the students. This day, when you have reached the hilltop and you're deciding on next jobs, next steps, careers, further education, you should rather find purpose than a job or a career. Purpose crosses disciplines. Purpose is an essential element of you. It is the reason you are on the planet at this particular time in history. Your very existence is wrapped up in the things you are here to fulfill. So whatever you choose for a career path, remember, the struggles along the way are only meant to shape you for your purpose. Well, he went on to this final statement to the students, and I think a statement for you and me as well. Here's what he said. When God has something for you, it doesn't matter who stands against it. God will move someone that's holding you back away from the door and push someone there who will open it for you if it's meant for you. I don't know what your future is, but if you are willing to take the harder way, the more complicated one, the one with more failures at first than successes, the one that has ultimately proven to have more meaning, more victory, more glory, you will not regret it. Now, just a thought or two about what else and who else we can follow and trust to be a GPS in our life. As we've talked, trust yourself. Trust your very best friend. Trust the person who's true to you when you're not there. Trust that person who loves you. I believe that God uses other people to bring guidance to us when for whatever reason, we can't seem to tap in to our own. As we've said, trust your belief, but also trust action. Too often we contemplate and imagine and contemplate and imagine And in that imagining, there's often a lot of fiction, but action is trustworthy. You know, in 1605, William Camden wrote an essay, and in it, he said, all the proof of the pudding is in the eating of it. From that, now today, we have the saying, the proof is in the pudding. Meaning, when you eat the pudding, you gain the direct experience of it. Meaning, you have to try out the food to see if it's good or sweet. So trust action, follow action. It's the only way we know. And when you seek to follow other people, trust those who act. You know, in the scripture, we read about predictions of our day. And one of those predictions is that the world will be filled with vain imaginations. And it seems that our day is full of them. Opinions and talk and more talk and more talk online about what path people should follow. But very few of those people opinionating and talking and posting have taken any action themselves. So trust action. Trust it in your own life. Don't form opinions about what you can be or what your purpose is in life until you've taken action. Action will help you find your GPS. You know, what his commencement speech, Tim Cook said, there's a saying that if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. At Apple, I learned that's a total crock. You'll work harder than you ever thought possible, but the tools will feel light in your hands. I believe this. I think it's true. Sometimes our GPS is not always speaking clearly to us, but when we act, when we try anyway, when we work, we know our purpose because the tool feels light in our hands. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope you do have an amazing week. And if this podcast has been helpful, please help us by sharing it by sending the link to this podcast to a friend. It helps us get the word to more people. Most of all, please join us next week for another episode as we seek to open our eyes to who and what we can become.